I would take Hendon Hooker and then Will Levis and then Anthony Richardson in that order. Brother. Brother, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing out here? <laughs> Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, April the 17th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And I am joined on this Monday, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. Um, we are about a week and a half away from the from the draft, yes? Yes, we are. It is coming fast and furious. We're exactly, um, well, if we were 14 days away on Thursday... 13, 12, 11, we're 10 days away on this Monday morning from the NFL draft, um, which is going to be super exciting. We are doing a lot of things between now and then. I think we have a show planned on this feed every single day between now and the draft. And I don't mean weekday. I mean day. We are doing it uh, on Saturday and Sunday this week as well, because we've got a lot of things we want to cram into the next 10 days in preparation. And we want to get you guys as uh, up to date, informed, prepared, for the draft as humanly possible. And we appreciate you consuming our draft content. Have to apologize for no show on Friday last week. I was in my best friend's wedding this weekend, and uh, we had a show recorded that we just, the production process kind of ran behind because I had a lot going on. Didn't want to rush it. Uh, it's a show we recorded with James Foster on the tight ends in this draft class that we're going to be releasing, I think tomorrow, but it's going to be at some point this week, JT. We'll have it out. Um, and it's great. And it's obviously still relevant because it's the same tight ends in the draft class um, as they were on Friday. So look forward to that. Of course, James Foster knows his stuff when it comes to these things. And we uh, we really dis- dis- found a distinction between the top half of the, our top 10 and the, and the bottom half. There's really a clear cut top five tight ends in this class that we think um, you have to choose from. So maybe the Titans get one of those top flight guys in the first or the second round, not the first, but the second round, second or third round. And maybe they happen to get a value add later in the draft. Because I really think beyond those first five guys, there are still some really great uh, value prospects to be had on day three. So we'll talk about all of that later. Look forward to that. If you haven't already, we had four great episodes last week on a number of different position groups. Uh, We had Stoney Keeley on in the offensive line episodes. We covered the tackles on Thursday and on Wednesday we covered the interior offensive linemen both episodes with Stoney Keeley of the Sobros Network he is an expert when it comes to offensive line evaluation and he was the best those are I think our two best positional group episodes so far because he really brought it was it was not me I was there just guiding the ship he was the one providing the uh, horsepower for us and he did an amazing job so check that out because the Titans they need some help on the offensive line as you know And then we've got a couple other position groups already out there as well. Actually, the vast majority. All we have left is the tight end episode, the quarterback episode, the wide receiver episode, and the quarterback, or no, the cornerback episode. Uh, Just those four. We've got one recorded already. We've got three more recording this week. We've got one guest, at least on those other three, that I can go ahead and tell you, Austin Gale from The Ringer, formerly of uh, PFF. He's going to be with us for the wide receivers episode that'll be coming out at some point this week and another episode that Titans fans have to listen to because Titans fans need this team to come away with at least one, maybe two receivers in this draft. And that's the perfect segue into talking about today's topic. It's my mock draft 2.0, JT. I've been hard at work crafting what I think is going to excite a lot of Titans fans 
when we go over this because for today's episode, we're going to go through my entire first round mock, the first 31 picks, no 32 picks because the Dolphins decided to be cheating little stinkers. Uh, but we got the first 31 picks. We'll talk about who I think will be making the cut in the first round and why. And then I'll go through my full seven round mock draft that I did for the Titans. We'll talk about every pick that I made for them. And this time I've doubled the number of trades in the first episode, JT. We've got two, dare I say, blockbuster trades in this in this uh, mock draft. But I want to talk about how I approached these mock drafts. I said when we did mock draft two, two point or one point oh rather about two weeks ago that I was planning on doing three of these every two weeks or so leading up to the draft. I want each to have their own identity. I don't want it to be just a, another random mock draft that I throw together for each episode. The first mock draft, my 1.0, I really tried to focus on at the time, two weeks ago, what I thought was most likely slash the best for the Titans to, to do in their draft. It was based on what I wanted and thought would happen. This second mock draft is meant to be a reflection really of the best case scenario in the eyes of, I think, many Titans fans. I've got a pretty good finger on the pulse of Titans Nation on Twitter and on uh, on on social media. I, you know, I do a pretty good job of keeping up with where people are at on different prospects. And I think I've got a pretty good idea of what you would be excited by. And so that's how I've approached this draft in a realistic way. Now, this is not a this is not one of those mock drafts you see, you know, Titan Tim put on Twitter. Titan Tim seven nine three four six. His Twitter account where he's got six followers and he joined uh, two months ago and he's got a mock draft from PFF and he says, "What y'all think?" And, and it's nineteen different things of okay, well that person's not going to be there. There, you're never pulling off that trade. That that person actually stinks. You just know their name from college. Like it's not like that. Okay, this is a realistic, informed, educated guess mock draft. But I approached it from what's the most in a realistic way exciting best case scenario for the Titans, according to the fans. And that's what this one's going to be. So if you, if you were to listen to all three of my mock draft episodes and you're a Titans fan, I can almost guarantee this will be your favorite. The third one I plan on making the most realistic as humanly possible. It's going to be the week of the draft on, uh, I think the day before the draft, we'll do it right at the last minute. It's going to be my best guess as to what happens. It'll be the final on the record uh, prediction as to what will be happening in the draft. So with those ground rules laid out, JT, I want to, uh, you know, let's just go ahead and jump into it. We've got some news items, but we'll save them for another episode this week. We'll talk about those a little bit later. Um, let's just get into the mock draft today, and we can start with the mock draft of the first round. So let's get into the first round of my mock draft 2.0. Yeah, let's jump right in. And uh, compared to the last one, it's going to look a little different. If you're watching on YouTube on the Broadway Sports Media channel, you're already going to notice something a little bit interesting here. Mm -hmm. But let's just run down the first five picks here. At number one, the Carolina Panthers will be going with Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. At number two, the Texans stay put with Bryce Young. And at number three, the only trade that Easton has mocked in this full 31-pick mock draft here, the Titans are trading up to the third overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals to select C.J. Stroud. At number four, all mm. four quarterbacks go off the board as the Colts take Will Levis. At number five, Will Anderson Jr. goes to the Seattle Seahawks. And number six, Devin Witherspoon goes to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so let's start here at the top, JT. Over the last, well, 
roughly two weeks since we did the first version of my mock draft in our private conversation, what has really been the theme from me that I, I keep mentioning in terms of what we know about this draft. It could change in an instant. Yeah, it's just, we know nothing. I think we know nothing. That's like, it's, it's, it's backwards. And it's hard to say as somebody who is like a draft Nick, who's, who, you know, I I'm sitting here for the last three weeks for the next two weeks, trying to help us all figure out what exactly is going to happen, trying to make educated guesses as to what happens. And I think that all of the, all of the uh, rumor mills, all of the tea leaves are pointing towards this year's draft being incredible in the sense that it's going to be nothing like the mock draft community thinks it's going to be. I genuinely think that the first round and really the entire draft is going to end up being wildly unpredictable, wildly different than we would have thought. There are going to be prospects that go way sooner than we think that they're going to go. I mean, you and I have talked, we've been brainstorming for a couple of days now, like who's who's going to be that guy who was it last year that the Patriots took? Uh, it was the, it was at a UTC. Cole Strange. Um, Cole Strange. Who's going to be the Cole Strange of this year's draft that is drafted way too early? There's going to be one that goes in the first round. You're like they went in the first round. It may be more than that. And then there's going to be guys that fall, and you're going to be shocked. I mean, uh, at this time last year, I was looking in preparation for this at different all the different articles I could find from roughly this time last year, about two weeks out from the draft, trying to figure out. How how good of a finger on the pulse of the, the draft did the NFL media community have at this point? And it was hilarious how wrong they were about a lot of things. I mean, like Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter were very highly um, anticipated first round draft picks. You had guys going uh, in the third round that ended up going in the first uh, even further than that, like Cole Strange. Like it was it was it was so hilariously wrong. The first overall pick odds were highly in favor of, I think, Iki Kwanu, who ended up going third or fourth overall to the Panthers. And um, the first overall pick was was um, uh, uh, Walker to, to Jacksonville, ultimately. But he was like the fourth or fifth odds to be the first overall pick. Like these things really change on a dime once we get to four, three or four or five days out from the draft. And then we get a lot more information like within 24 hours of the draft and then we lock and load and then we're in, but things are going to just prepare yourselves mentally get ready. This draft I think is going to change the landscape of the draft. What we're expecting is going to change dramatically in, in that last week or so. And so maybe this ends up being the last week that we're, we're really in the dark, but I think we're in the dark. All of that is to say to preface as I, as I roll down this list, this mock, the, the first round is going to be a little different. And that's a reflection of the fact that I think we don't really know what's going on. Now, obviously, the top two quarterbacks in this draft, as considered by the public, are Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And yet, Anthony Richardson just lurks there in the background as the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen at, at, at the Combine and in his, in his pro day testing as, you know, the, the, the next coming of Cam Newton with a stronger arm and with better accuracy and with better traditional quarterback um, high end, you know, with, with the, the, the traits on tape, people are starting to kind of come around to the idea of, well, maybe he's not actually as unpolished or, you know, raw, unfinished of a project as we think. Maybe he just hasn't played a lot of football. Maybe he's inexperienced. And so I think that a guy like Frank Reich, a guy like David Tepper with the, with the Panthers, They've been up there at one for a long time, long enough to talk themselves out of a guy two or three different times now. I guarantee they have changed their mind a couple of times. And if they went with Richardson, it wouldn't shock me at all. If suddenly things changed, we could be in for a 2015. Was it 2015 
when the odds were, is it going to be Sam Darnold or Josh Allen at the top? All the way up until like the week of, and then it's like, oh, guess what? The Browns are taking Baker Mayfield at one overall. And people were like, what are you talking about? But it ended up happening. So these things can change. You think it's going to be one of those two right now? I promise you it is not locked in stone until it is locked in stone. So I'm going Richardson, one overall to the Panthers in a shocking move, which leaves reportedly the favorite quarterback of the Texans, Bryce Young, there for them to take. They luck out and get their guy at two. And suddenly the arms race for the third overall pick begins. And you just know it's going to be Arizona's best case scenario. They are dying for one of Bryce Young or CJ Stroud to fall out of those first two picks. Really, the entire first round of this draft hinges on how those first two picks go. If they go chalk, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, cool. We may have a pretty good grasp on what happens from there. But if either of these guys fall to three, things could get wacky in a hurry. I don't think it's out of the normal possibility that they could. So I have him falling, and I have the Titans going up, as many have suspected and as many have even reported the rumors of Titans being interested in doing their homework on the potential of going up to three and getting their quarterback of the future. If CJ Stroud is there, the guy who has been rumored to be the number one pick of the Titans, the quarterback who played at the alma mater of Mike Vrabel, that's going to incentivize them to go up and and make that move. And in this mock, I had them doing that. And the trade details in particular, I have the Titans giving up they're well swapping first round picks to the Cardinals. So the Cardinals move back to 11. The Titans move up to three. The Cardinals also give the Titans their the 168th overall pick, a fifth round compensatory pick of theirs. And the Titans give the Cardinals their 2024 first round pick, the 72nd overall pick, which is a third round pick in this year's draft, and a 2024 third. So the Titans end up giving away this year's first and third and next year's first and third in exchange for the Cardinals first and fifth from this year the fifth being a compensatory pick it's a big big price to pay but it's for your quarterback of the future and it's something that the titans i think are would consider doing so they go up and they get cj stroud there at four i have the colts going with will levis so this is a situation where we see the top four quarterbacks all come off the board one through four which i believe has not happened in a very long time if ever for the first four picks of the NFL draft to start one, two, three, four with the top four quarterbacks on the board. Um, There'll be three new quarterbacks in the AFC South if this were to happen and you would have uh, three babies in Bryce, CJ and Will joining uh, the, the sunshine man himself, Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. And it will suddenly be probably one of the highest firepower, highest caliber young uh, quarterback groups in the entire in the entire, I was going to say AFC, but really in the entire league, it's going to be uh, an arms race from there on out. And you could, I think, see this playing right into my guess that I've been talking about for a while, JT. The AFC South is primed to become the next NFC East and see a dramatic rise in the next two or three seasons. At five, I had the Seahawks just doing cartwheels in their draft room because Will Anderson Jr. falls to them at five and they get who they think is the best overall defender in this draft at the position of most need for them on defense, a match made in heaven. And for the Lions, who moved off of a former third overall draft pick, was he? Uh, Just two or three years ago, a couple of weeks ago, they traded with the Falcons and sent, um, oh, it's late and I'm blanking on his name. They sent uh, Jeff Okuda to the Falcons for a round pick. 
Yes, that's right. So Jeff Akuda on the outs in Detroit, meaning that they really have a need at cornerback now. And I think that this locks them in for either Devin Witherspoon at six or Christian Gonzalez at six. I had them going Gonzalez in the last mock. The smoke seems to be pointing towards Witherspoon now. So I went with Witherspoon here. And those are my first six picks. Yeah, I I I don't really have a problem with this. I, I see your okay. reasoning. Um, as we were talking before, it's not my favorite. I, I'm me neither. This is I'm not personally a not, favorite draft. I yeah, am trying I'm, to I'm personally not a Titan should trade up to number three and go get one. And now I, if CJ Stroud was the say, guy, Stroud I Richardson, could, I could be talked in, about that. I could talk to, I could be talked into that. Um, right. but of course if it's Richardson, I, it's I'd, I'd be shaking my head, <laughs> but okay. I think you are right that none of those top two teams are kind of like kind of sold on which quarterback they want. And I mm -hmm. think it might be because it the, sounds Panthers, like the Texans aren't even sold on getting a quarterback. Basically. Exactly. Heard. And, Who knows? And the Panthers might be playing a little bit of like, maybe we like Bryce Young in order to get the Texans to maybe go up to one to secure who they want. And I triple dog the, dare the, you to come the, get our pick. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's all just a bunch of smoke and mirrors right now. Mm -hmm. um, but if it were to, if it were to shake out like this, I, I, I could see this being a huge win for the Titans getting CJ Stroud. And when, when you think about it, not you give up your first and third next year. Um, it's not, you're not giving up like a star player like Carolina did with DJ mm -hmm. Moore going up to the number one overall pick. Um, it's basically almost around the same number of spots there too, from uh, nine to one from 11 to eight, just one off. But yeah, I, I like these first six overall. Well, and one more note on that, JT, I like the structure of the trade that I, of course, I, I really like the way I structured my own trade. I like the way that I, I did this with just compensation from this draft and next draft, because while it, it does, you, you could spread that, that, that impact, that hit over longer term, you know, you could, you could end up giving a pick this year, next year, the following year that like you could go four years in the future if you wanted to. I think that if you were to do it this way, yeah, your your resources in the draft this year and next are depleted, but it gives you kind of a two-year window to feel out your your top flight prospect in CJ Stroud, figure out whether or not he's the guy, and then after two years, you're you're gonna know whether or not he's the guy. And if he's not, then great, you've tanked and you start over and you've got all your draft picks starting in 2020. Five, right? 2025 draft, you're rolling in with all your picks and you can reload and maybe you're even bad enough to be at the top to get a top quarterback. Um, so yeah, let's move on to the uh, the next six, JT. Yeah, so of course at number seven here, the Las Vegas Raiders have Jalen Carter fall into their laps at seven. At eight, the Falcons make a very daring play oh, here and baby. take B. John Robinson. I know you the running think back. this one's a possibility. I, I, We've been I talking do, about I this do one. like this one. Yep. At nine, the Chicago Bears still stand pat, taking Paris Johnson Jr. At 10, the Eagles go in a different direction, trying to reforce and rebuild that offensive line for the future, taking the Peter Skaronsky. Yep. Number 11, Cardinals, after trading back with the Titans, take Tyree Wilson. And at number 12, the Texans take the first wide receiver off the board, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So starting at the top, I have the Raiders sitting at seven and taking the guy who they've publicly been kind of, eh, we're not sure if we even want to consider this guy. You know, we're a team that has a reputation of sorts, has a history of sorts, has some former players that have significant histories of sorts. We get some real characters around here. 
with the Raiders. Okay. They've got a brand. They are very defined by that brand. They're in, in Las Vegas. They came from Oakland. That that team is, is a very defined vibe in the NFL, right? It's one of the ultimate brands in the NFL. You know, exactly. If I were to describe them with vocab words, I could give three or four and you would know who I'm talking about. It's the Raiders. Okay. The Raiders. They don't necessarily want to bring in a guy like Jalen Carter who has a little bit of off field question marks is a fair way of putting that. I guess some, some concerns when it comes to his judgment off the field, at least in college. And that's caused him to go from a bona fide number one talent in, in the league, in the uh, draft, rather potentially a first overall pick first, second, third overall pick to drop into the bottom half of the top 10, potentially even far farther. According to sports books, we don't know. I ultimately just came around to, I think that in the end you go back to your old vices. And I think that it's just a match made in heaven for Jalen Carter to be a Raider. And I think it, it just fits too well. And they've got a need at the position that is too great for them to pass up on that kind of talent. If he were to fall to seven at eight. Oh, baby. I have changed my, I have been B. John Robinson pilled in the last two weeks. I know JT, you have as well. This is essentially the exact, I mean, with a, with a handful of, of changes, but essentially it's the exact same fellas calling the shots on draft day in the NFL this year, as we had in 2018, when Gettleman decided that the New York Giants were going to take Saquon Barkley at two overall, despite even at the time in 2018, the analytics community, the, the media, the, you know, the nerds in football being up on the idea and it becoming popular, like, Hey, maybe running back isn't a position you should spend premium draft capital on. Maybe just a little bit. You should consider not doing that. Um, and they didn't care because these guys don't care what you think. And he pulled the trigger at two. And it sounds like based on the reporting in the aftermath that like, Hey, if he had fallen to three or four or five, like he'd have gone at three or four and five. Um, so I just don't see B. John Robinson fall. I will, JT, I will eat my shorts if he falls beyond the 15th pick. I think that if he's not in the top fifth, top half of the first round, I will be astonished. I'll be floored. And this Falcons team, they could use a weapon like B. John Robinson. A guy, a guy, I mean, right now, they're right now, as of you know, this might change later in the episode. Who knows? Right now, they're rolling with a second year quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They've got some nice weapons around him. They've made some moves on defense and free agency. They some really nice moves that we like, that we approve of. Think they're gonna they're gonna be a better team on defense. Adding former Titan Bud Dupree recently, for example, for a nice one year five million dollar contract. When he's healthy, he's gonna add to their rush. They could really use a guy like Bijan Robinson to round out that weapon core, and and I think be a sneaky team to to contend in the the really piss poor NFC. I think that this Falcons team might be a an upgrade at quarterback away if they were to go Bijan Robinson here from being a bona fide contender in the NFC at nine. I've got the bears sticking still with Paris Johnson jr. It just feels too right. Ever since they moved back to nine, it felt like that was what was going to happen and they need a left tackle of the future. Paris Johnson jr. Is the best guy in this draft to be that person at 10 man, the ultimate luxury pick the Eagles going with Peter Skaronsky, the number one talent at offensive lineman in this draft at a Northwestern. They don't have to decide whether or not they think he's a guard or a tackle or if they even want to start him yet. He could be the the heir apparent to Lane Johnson or somebody else on the line if they were to move somebody um, or maybe not re-sign somebody. Like having him in having a talent like Peter Skaronsky in the chamber, ready, locked and loaded, ready to go when you need him. That is a luxury that I'm sure a guy like Howie Roseman would love to be able to afford. And frankly, 
but because they have the 10th overall pick, they can't afford it. At 11, I've got the Cardinals going Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson, I think the hype's a little bit too much on him. He's just a little raw. He's a little bit of a project in my eyes. A little bit too much of a project to go in the top 10. Could be wrong, but I see him falling out of the top 10 to where the Titans originally were slotted to pick at 11. The Cardinals need a lot of a lot of different things, and they take what they think is the best uh, best available value here with Tyree Wilson at 11. And then at 12, the Texans get a desperately needed receiving threat in Jackson Smith and Jigba. Their wide receiver core right now is rivaling the Titans and amongst other teams for bottom five in the league. And Jackson Smith and Jigba would add some serious juice to that room, especially with the rookie quarterback who needs some safe, uh, maybe some safe intermediate expertise in the route running department, which Jackson Smith and Jigba can bring. He's a really polished player coming out of college. So that's where I went with seven through 12. Yeah, not much to say here. Just a little bit of piggybacking off the Bijan Robinson take. Like mm -hmm. it would be, it would be such like a, a Arthur Smith move to like, just right. like slowly recreate the Titans down there mm -hmm. <laughs> by taking yep. like Bijan. Oh, we need a that stud generational running back. You say, Hmm, maybe later in this episode, he's going to say, maybe we need a competent quarterback <laughs> who we put nice weapons around to get us over the top. Who could that be? Someone similar to Ryan Tannehill, perhaps. We'll talk about that later. Um, but they could, they could, they, I think are in a really good position as they've made a couple of these like defensive moves lately. Um, yeah, I know, I, I know in our circles, I've, I've already put my early, um, my too early bold prediction in that they're going to win the NFC South. Um, I love because it. I, I think, love it. because I think they finally are starting to get good veteran pieces on that defensive side of the ball. Yep. I think their offense wasn't too far off and in a bad conference like that, uh, Either if they went with That's a defensive stud yeah. on the on the defensive side of the ball, if they went with an offensive stud like Bijan or maybe even like a Jackson Smith and Jake Bud to go along with Drake yep. London and Kyle Pitts, mm -hmm. they're not too far off. No, if, and, and that's the thing. It's really that they're in the NFC South and in the NFC. They're in the worst division in the worst conference, right? If they were in the AFC, I think their ceiling would be wild card contender at best. But in this NFC, there's a scenario in which these guys are like, well, they might they they might mess around and get to the NFC Championship. Like, who knows? Who knows? So we we will see. Let's move on here to picks 13 through 18 with the New York Jets going at tackle, but someone a little different here, taking Darnell Wright at number 14. Christian Gonzalez fall finally stops as he goes to the New England Patriots at number 15 in the Green Bay Packers of all Green Bay Packers pick of all time. <laughs> that was the they idea. take Brian Brissy. <laughs> At number 16, the Commanders take Joey Porter Jr. At 17, the Steelers take Anton Harrison. And at 18, Lucas Van Ness heads to Dan Campbell's Motor City Kitties to reinforce that defense. Yeah, so at 13, I've got the Jets going Darnell Wright. You keep hearing, Darnell Wright's going to go earlier than you think. Hey, Darnell Wright's going to go really early. Hey, the NFL loves Darnell Wright. That is not smoke, ladies and gentlemen. We've been saying it ourselves like, hey, we really like Darnell Wright since the very first draft specific episode we did on this show back in February, early March with James Foster. So like this guy's a stud. There's a lot of teams where he is not tackle four or five on their board. He is tackle two or three. Um, and and they, it wouldn't shock me if there were teams in the league that loved him as their best tackle. Guys pro ready. He's a stud. Now, can he play both sides of the ball? We don't know. He may be the lesser of the two tackles in terms of value. He may just be a right tackle in the NFL. Although, don't tell him that on Twitter. He'll call you mean names. I I'm not saying he is or he isn't. I don't know. Um, but he can certainly play right tackle, and he can play it really well, and he can play it today in the NFL. 
So the Jets get them a plug and play starter at 14. I just feel like the maybe this this is definitely just exaggeration hyperbole. And I know like literally last year they didn't, but it feels like every single year the the Patriots go cornerback in the first round. Like like every single year. It just feels like that's what Bill Belichick loves to do. And if Christian Gonzalez, considered by many a top five, six, seven talent in this draft falls to 14, I just don't think he's going to be able to help himself. And that's a, I mean, can you blame him? That's a great pick. Christian Gonzalez at 14 is a steal. What isn't a steal, in my opinion, is Brian Brissy at 15. But Brian Gutekunst up there, uh, every every fan and pretend owner of the Packers absolutely despises him because of these exact decisions that he makes. And uh, Brian Brissy at, at one point considered a bona fide top 10 pick by many. I th- I'm sure still considered a first round pick, but by many at this point considered not a guy you can take a risk on in the first round. I think Gutekunst is exactly the kind of guy that would pull the trigger on him at 15 at 16. Joey Porter Jr. Reinforcing the secondary of Washington, who needs a little bit of help uh, with defensive backs. And he will be a really nice addition for them at 17. Anton Harrison going a little bit higher than I had him in my last one. Definitely going higher than he is on the consensus board here to the Steelers who need help on the offensive line. They need a tackle. Anton Harrison is and JT. We were talking about this earlier today. He's kind of the the runt of this tackle class in terms of the top guys, right? There's the top four or five guys done all right. Pierce Karonsky, Paris Johnson Jr., Dewan Jones, Broderick Jones, Anton Harrison, right? It's like each of these guys has a thing. Like there's the there's the big guy, there's the incredibly big guy, there's the prototype left tackle, there's the there's the most skilled lineman in this draft, and then there's Anton Harrison. Like he's a he's a dude. He doesn't have a defining characteristic. Now, he's not a, just a guy in terms of, uh, you know, talent, but he, he does seem to kind of go by the wayside in these draft conversations because he doesn't really excite in that way because of, of one thing. You know, sometimes you ever see somebody walking down the street and you're like, they're attractive, but I'm, I couldn't they like they, it's almost like they were made in a lab. Like there's not a defining feature like they're just it's a generic looking person. It's a Barbie doll looking person. He's kind of a generic tackle to me, like a generic first round tackle. Definitely a first rounder, but does he excite you? Eh. At 18, I think Dan Campbell would run through a wall Kool-Aid man style if Lucas Van Ness was there at 18. He's exactly, exactly the kind of guy that I think Dan Campbell would love to have on his team. And to be able to put him on a line with the fellas they've already got up there, that, that, that front four suddenly becomes very, very dangerous. And I like it a lot. Two things on this one. Yeah, we've seen in the past week or so, not me personally, but just like around the league, there's been a little cool on Lucas Van Ness, I feel there like. Has. It seems yeah. more and more people are are thinking that he doesn't have the the potential right out the gate to be someone who's going to make an impact by himself. However, put him in the right scheme, I think he can do really good. At well, 18 it's, it's here, kind of he- Tyree Wilson are both like the, the on paper, they just, you know, they mm-hmm. have to be first round picks. Yes. But I think the production is giving some people some pause. Yeah. yeah. But I think there's a couple situations where given the right team, picking him, Lucas Van Ness can be a star just straight from the get go. And the Detroit lions are say, one of those. Well, yeah. If he doesn't have to be your number one edge rusher, if he can come in and not be the guy, he's going to eat. He will, you know, he'll be the second best rusher on the team, but have nine and a half sacks in his first year. Like it'll be ridiculous. And that, that would be amazing for the lions. And and my second thing here, which I was just thinking of as I was reading down this list, um, two thirds of this list to me are 
like the the perfect if you were to make a mock draft of players that they sound like they're on this team. Like you could go like, oh, Darnell Wright. Yeah, he's a Jet. He oh, yeah, like a jet. He, yeah. He sounds like a Jet. Brian Brissy, mm-hmm. he sounds like For a Packer. Sure sounds like a Packer. Joey Porter Jr. I could see him in a commander's uniform making doing some picks. And then Anton Harrison, perfect. <laughs> like as it I'm really going down is. here, I'm like, I see, I see everybody. Well, and is Lucas I see Van Ness not ex- like exactly the kind of guy you think Dan Campbell would run through a wall for? He is, however, there's someone else on this list named Bill Belichick who I think would run through my wall harder for a guy named Lucas Van Ness. Yeah, that's fair enough. I that see him in a Patriots sense. jersey. I've seen him sense. in a Patriots jersey for like two months now. Wouldn't um, shock me. But it wouldn't shock me. But I just had to point that out because I, I can see like four or five of these guys all in their uniforms. It feels right. I'm with you. Let, let's move on here to picks 19 through 24 here. Broderick Jones, who has fallen a little bit in your mock draft here, finally goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. At 20, Kalijah Kansi heads to Seattle. At 21, the second wide receiver comes off the board. Zay Flowers is headed to the Los Angeles Chargers. At number 22, the Ravens reinforce that secondary with Deontay Banks. At 23, the Vikings take Mozzie Smith. And at 24, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Brian Branch. Yeah, so at 19, I've got the Buccaneers taking Broderick Jones. I've got him falling a little bit in my, in my mock. I, I'm a little lower on him than many. Uh, I don't necessarily know if the league will be lower on him than many, but I it's less about them being low on him and more that I think the league is higher on guys like Darnell Wright, for example, and it's going to push guys like Broderick Jones down the pecking order. The The Buccaneers are in full blow-it-up rebuild mode. I mean, Baker Mayfield is there. They're, they're not – what are they exactly playing this season for? I'm not sure what they're – what their mission is, if they even have a, a medium to long-term plan in place. I don't know. But it, when you're in that place in the NFL, when you're just in the I don't know phase and this team is really not looking all that hot, the best place to start is, okay, let's get a stud left tackle. Let's get it. Let's bring in a foundational piece. What better than a foundational left tackle? And so, Project Jones, congratulations. Come on down to Tampa Bay. At 20, Kalaja Kansi is another one of those guys that just feels like a guy that Pete Carroll would love to have in the building. Um, And also the Seahawks are the kind of team that tends to, they're the kind of team that makes quirky picks. Like they have five picks, I think in the top 100 this year. And you just know, you know, at least one of those five picks are going to be a pick that media analysts, analytics, nerds alike are all like, I, we loved the Seahawks first, first five picks, uh, except for that one guy. Like we're going to pretend that one pick didn't happen. Um, because we don't like the value at all, and I don't know what the heck they were thinking, but the rest were awesome. That was literally what happened last year when they went and got wa- Kenneth Walker with their, I think their second first round pick, or like right around the 20 to 30 range, and people were like, ah, he's going to be a good running back, but don't do that, and he was a stud. He was a you know a rookie of the year contender there at the end, offense rookie of the year contender, but th- that was another one of those things where we're like, oh, I love every pick the Seahawks made in this draft, all six of them. They had seven picks? Yeah, well, that seventh one, we don't talk about it. At 21, Zay Flowers to the Chargers. I wrestled with this in my mind because you keep hearing, hey, in the NFL, teams boards like this wide receiver class, we all know it's kind of down as compared to the past couple of years, but people are even lower on this in the league in front offices, this wide receiver class than than the public is, than the media is, than than mock draft, mock, mock drafters are. And don't be surprised if you see just one or two go in the first round. And I kind of agree with that sentiment. I think it wouldn't shock me if the teams were lower on these wide receivers. And then I remembered we are in 2023 and it's the NFL and we just cannot help ourselves 
when it comes to the wide receiver position because it feels like it's it's just it's like it's like the crystal meth of the NFL for these front offices. They just can't quit it. They know it's not good for them. They know they maybe shouldn't take it when they take it, but they have to. They just they have to because it's an arms race. It's a constant arms race across the league to get through the air firepower. And Zay Flowers is the kind of guy that I think would fit the Chargers very, very well. He's a he's a stud, but he's smaller, and he's going to be a guy that I think you can use really well in the short to intermediate range. That's exactly what Justin Herbert needs, somebody that can be a reliable and talented dump-off or, or um, at the very least, a security blanket. And I think Zay Flowers would fill that role nicely, and they'd be happy to have him. At 22, Deontay Banks is a guy that just feels like a raven to me. He's one of my favorite cornerbacks in this draft. I think I've got him here as the fourth cornerback off the board. Wouldn't shock me if he's the second or the third guy, if a team is just really high on him. But I think he is a great, great player, and the the Ravens have two aging cornerbacks that they need to plan ahead to replace. At 23, Mozzie Smith, JT, you and I were talking earlier today. Who is the who's the most random player in this draft? And you said, what do you, what do you mean? And I said, who's the guy? that is is like he's good you know everybody knows who he is like anybody that studied the draft you're aware of who this player is but every time you hear his name you forget you're like oh yeah that guy exists like i forgot like no one talks about him i i know who he is i've studied him i can even tell you about his game but i forgot that he's even in this draft that's mozzie smith man he's the 33rd consensus player on the consensus mock uh consensus draft board and yet you have you heard Mozzie Smith talk anywhere except for on this show once when we talked about the defensive lineman and now today no no but he's a stud he's a he's it for, for my money outside of the clear and obvious number one overall uh defensive lineman Jalen Carter in this draft class he's the next the next best thing and Titans fans should know as well as anybody when you get a stud defensive lineman like Jeffrey Simmons for example they can revolutionize your team Mozzie Smith can revolutionize a team, and I think that the Vikings would be happy to have him. I would not be shocked in the slightest if he goes in the first round. And at 24, I've got the Jaguars sticking with Brian Branch. It's really just because they need to they need to juice up that defense a bit. They've not had a lot of money to spend in free agency this offseason to address that. They spent most of it in the in the past couple of offseasons, winning those offseasons and then losing the regular season as they were apt to do. This year, good for them. They weren't crazy spenders in free agency, but that defense needs some help. And I think Brian Branch is the kind of versatile player that they would like to have. Yeah, the one thing I will say here um, with this board is that if I were to give a prediction of a team that maybe would look to move back in the draft mm -hmm. is the Seattle Seahawks. You said mm. they already have five picks in the top 100. However, why don't we get more picks in the top 100? Yeah, you especially know? if you see they this already, draft the way that we do, where it's value in the second second day, right? Exactly. And if you look at it, there's going to be an arms race at the top four for all those quarterbacks, which means they're going to get a pretty nice defensive guy at number five. Now, or, or if the first four picks aren't quarterback, suddenly they've got a quarterback to sell at five, right? Yeah. They could move so off of five and keep 21 or, or they, 20 rather. If they were to say if four quarterbacks were to go off the board there right. in the first four and they get their pick of the litter with a defensive guy, I would not be surprised. And let me put up the Brian Windhorse fingers. What did they mean by that? I would not be surprised if, if the Seattle Seahawks were to trade back into either the late first, early second, pick up some picks and draft a Mr. Hendon Hooker from down in Knoxville. 
oh. later in the draft. The college version of Geno Smith, their quarterback. Yes. Yep. You, you mean that guy? Yeah. You mean just the guy who's behind basically there? the same age as Geno Smith? Exactly. <laughs> you play off the Geno Smith contract, and Geno Smith 2.0 just rolls into town there right afterwards, like nothing happened. Let me put up my wind horse fingers because what is JT cooking over here? I like that a lot, and I think that that is something worth considering as we go down the stretch here. That wouldn't shock me at all. We keep hearing about, oh, you mean first round quarterback Hendon Hooker? And you say, what are you talking about to the person that says that to you? They keep saying it. They keep saying it. NFL teams seem to seemingly they want us to think that he's that guy. He's not, guys. He's not. I promise he's not. He's he's just he's not JT. And on all of a sudden, all of a sudden, is he JT? Who are the the people who are listening to us? The Titan Tims of the world say, "What do you mean? What do you mean, Hannah Hooker? Not no first round prospect." What was the tweet I sent you? What was the tweet I sent you the other day? Somebody replied to my tweet with the most redneck Titans logic ever. It was, was the one about where Hendon Hooker uh, beat yeah, who, who beat who? Yeah, the transitive. Yeah. He transitive property to the transitive property, right? He said, well, I watched college football this year and the Tennessee Volunteers whipped them Wildcats on the night of my wedding, by the way. And then then they also... They also went and whipped the lowly Florida Gators, and I think that the Wildcats beat the Gators too. So I would take I would take Hendon Hooker, and then Will Levis, and then Anthony Richardson in that order. Brother, brother, <laughs> what are we doing? What are I'm we not, doing out I'm, here? <laughs> Case in point, I would it wouldn't shock me if one of these teams moves back. In the into the late first, early second, and Hendon Hooker goes there. I don't no, think he's gonna go all, top ten like no, some mock drafts out there yeah, that yeah, were in, in all that were able to be given airtime on ESPN, where Hendon Hooker goes in the top five. However, well, conspiracy theory would say that they were given that airtime because they put Hendon Hooker in the top five. Maybe perhaps that airtime is specifically designed in the mornings in a certain show. I don't know where it may, was it the show where this originated. Was that on first I'm take? Not- I'm, I, don't know. I, think it, I think it was. I don't, yes. But, e- I think. but either way, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I think that that may have been the reason why. But in all seriousness, there are only a few teams where Hendon Hooker makes sense, considering he's probably not going to play this year. And a team like the Seahawks, who have a competent but not great quarterback in Geno Smith on a short-term contract, that makes some sense. So I could totally yeah. see that, that that could happen. We do have a Titans full seven-round mock to get to. So let's finish up these last... More fun episode than I thought it would be. <laughs> let's finish off this first-round mock here with the New York Giants going with Jordan Addison out of USC to help their wide receiver room at 26. Dalton Schultz out. The Cowboys still having a Dalton Kincaid come back in, even Schultz though he's out, put up Kincaid no measurables, in, anything. They're gonna they're gonna take a tight end here at 27 in my favorite pick of this mock draft. Yes, the Buffalo Bills turn taking, this man into a Bills fan. Make <laughs> make JT Jack root Campbell. for Bills 2023. Jack Campbell will be going to the Buffalo Bills at 28. The Cincinnati Bengals will be taking Michael Mayer. Michael Meyer, either one. I think 29. Mayer, I keep saying Meyer like the you know Halloween villain. Uh-huh. It's Mayer. He's not he's not wearing a hockey mask, it turns out. <laughs> At 29, another 
tight end comes off the board. Darnell Washington going to the New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. at 30. Much to the Nolan Smith. of Titans fans. He's going yes. in the first round. I'm, I'm starting to think he is, to be honest with you. At 30, Nolan Smith goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. And at 31, those darn Chiefs Heck still get a, a player, a generational player in Will McDonald. Once again, both of the Eagles and Chiefs final two picks of this draft pissed me off. And I'm the one that made them. But it just these guys fall into their lap. I hate it. Um, and I think e- however the cookie crumbles, we're going to hate who they end up picking. So back back up to the top of this list, 25, Jordan Addison to the Giants. Why? Oh, maybe because they just need receivers like any. Just all receivers apply. Please hear. Um, Jordan Addison's not my favorite receiver by any means. He's my, well, you know, we haven't gotten to the receiver episode yet with uh, Austin Gale of the Ringer. So we'll talk about it then. But he's not my f- top two. We've already gotten rid of my top two. Spoiler alert. But Jordan Addison, I think, would make a nice target for the nowly, now nowly, good. That's a new vocab word. Write that down. The newly uh, rich Daniel Jones up there with the G-men at 26. Dalton Kincaid is just taking over the Dalton namesake for the receiving tight end of the Cowboys. Makes a lot of sense. Dak desperately needs that outlet. Dalton Kincaid is an NFL-ready version of that outlet. He is uh, my tight end, too, when we do the tight end episode. Uh, he is uh, very, very highly regarded by James Foster as well. I won't reveal where he is on his list, but we both agree he is going to be a plug and play receiver, st- uh, re- tight end, re- re- receiver light in the in the shape of a tight end. Really, um, at twenty seven, man, the smoke around this one is just too much to ignore. Will it happen? I don't know, but a couple of things, and I've got to pull up my notes here. I wrote these things down. This was per Dar- Daniel Jeremiah on his podcast he and bucky brooks do an amazing job especially this time of year move the sticks podcast uh they were talking a couple of weeks ago about how two sources told daniel jeremiah do not sleep on linebacker jack campbell going to buffalo at the bottom of the first round and the reasoning behind this is they lost their rangy middle linebacker in tremaine Edmonds this year if you're looking for the rangy old school big bodied versatile middle linebacker in this draft it is Jack Campbell with the bullet. That is your guy. And if you're looking for a guy that is going to just fit that Buffalo culture perfectly, maybe go get the guy that is being trained by one of the best linebacker talents in recent memory. Um, and that is Jack Campbell. We talked about this. JT, who is Jack Campbell being trained by? Mr. Keekley. Mr. Luke Keekley, former Carolina Panther. And uh, he's got a little bit of a relationship with the coach up there in Buffalo that goes back a while. Jack Campbell's going to be a guy that the Buffalo Bills like a lot and are eyeing, if not in the first, at some point in this draft. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. At 28, Michael Mayer to the Bengals. They need a tight end. And this is, according to some, the number one tight end in this draft class, certainly a top three tight end in this class. He's a refrigerator with legs coming down from up there in Notre Dame, where he was both an inline blocker successfully and a receiving threat successfully. He did it all, and he can do it all with the Bengals. He adds yet another versatile weapon to their war chest. At 29, Darnell Washington to the Saints makes a lot of sense because, and we heard about this earlier in free agency, but the smoke isn't really picked up. I think it was our buddy Zach Lyons who pointed this out on Twitter a couple of days ago. The Saints did a lot of research in free agency on tight ends, on, on replacement tight ends, on, on depth tight ends, on starting tight ends. They didn't end up signing any. They don't have any on their roster currently. You need tight ends to be able to play football in August. One might assume that means they're going to take a tight end somewhere in this draft, maybe even two. 
I don't think that 29 is off limits for them to take one at all. And I think Darnell Washington is the kind of guy that they would love to have a versatile receiver and inline blocker, the kind of guy that they could use in a number of ways down there in New Orleans. I like it a lot. At 30, no one Smith to the Eagles pisses me the F off because, of course, no one Smith is a stud and the Eagles get, I think, two of the better, 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 um, most, uh, I guess I'll say most secure picks in this draft. Like if you told me, name the top five guys in the first round that you th- are most confident they'll be at least serviceable starters in the NFL. Like Nolan Smith and Peter Skaronsky are, they're in content. They're on the short list to make that top five cut. Like these guys, they've got a lot of polish and they don't have a lot of things that make you wonder if they're going to bust. So Nolan Smith, the Eagles to reinforce that defensive line is really frustrating, but really great for the birds. And then at 31, Will McDonald sticking with him at the 31st pick to the chiefs. Like I did in the first round or the first mock rather simply because they need edge badly. And I think that he is a first round caliber player and the NFL is going to take him in the first round somewhere. So I have him going with that final 31st pick JT thoughts. Yeah. I think if there is another, we've been saying about the Titans that they're really in a position of choose your own adventure in this draft. And I think they continue to be, if there is somebody else in this draft who is really choose your own adventure, it's probably the Cincinnati Bengals. They are Mm. kind of in that, in between between this is a See, I've not, I don't pick. even know I've not really considered the Bengals draft but you have as a fan of the Bengals right they a little bit yeah they're they kind of are in the in between of they can just go with a luxury pick here or mm-hmm. they could really fill this out now where where I think you might be a little bit off on the Michael Mayer here is that okay. they they've just signed Irv Smith Jr. as well as Drew Sample that's, so that's right You're their right. their You're tight right. end room but I mean, a generational tight end that can finally be in there that they haven't well, had since like a say, Tyler I mean, like, Eifert doesn't doesn't hurt, right? No. I I I also in, in my own little head cannon here have loved the idea of the of the Bengals just releasing Joe Mixon and going up and getting Bijan. Mm. That would be the mm. luxury pick to end the luxury picks. Mm. It really would, would be. be. It would be very interesting. But also they their safety room is very depleted and they could also go safety with like if Brian Branch is on the is there. Or they could right. go offensive tackle if Dewan Jones is there or something like that. They right, really could right. go any single avenue. Yep. No, um, I, agree. Only, I agree. The only other thing I was going to say is that uh, once again Miles Murphy, no love in the in your mock nope. drafts here, nope. and even Brian Brissy going all the way up at fifteen. Well, and it, but it was it was a sarcastic conclusion. You know, it was a sarcastic conclusion, of course. Yeah. But still, Miles Murphy falling out of that. Top I, and I know 31. you're higher on him than me. I know that you you got more love for him. I, I think he's going to be a fine NFL player. But I just I have to I have to stay on my ground sometimes. So you ready to move Alrighty. on to the seven yeah. round? Let's Titans move on mock here to the Good seven stuff. round. Yeah. Good stuff. Here we go. All right, so we can I can reiterate just briefly, Titans moving up to 1.3, right? They make this trade. They trade this year's first and third, next year's first and third to the Cardinals in exchange for this year's first and their second fifth-round pick, which is a compensatory pick, to get C.J. Stroud. If you're watching on YouTube, you see some of his PFF numbers here, passing grade, uh, pressure grade, deep grade, all of these things that are pretty good. There is, you know, not a, not a surprise here. C.J. Stroud, good quarterback prospect. Um, but I think that this is a move that if he's there at three, the Titans do make. It does bring into question, JT. Now you've got Ryan Tannehill and CJ Stroud on, on the roster. And you've got a good bit less, you know, firepower capital to spend in this year's draft. How are you going to address the other needs on this team? Let's talk about that in a second. But we've got one pick in between those two things, JT. In the second round, the Titans still have their second round pick at two 
point forty two. Uh, so we can go to that slide real quick. It's actually forty one, but who's 40, counting? Yeah, yeah, well, but me, in the, <laughs> the NFL, I, I don't know why. I said well, that. I know it's. I, I mean, the, it, it used to be forty two, but since a couple yeah, other teams you're right, have, you're have right. had their picks have some taken away, cheaters, that it, it's forty one. <laughs> they're they're moving back and forth. They're fluctuating because we can just yeah. add and subtract picks as we go here. Of course, so who do I have the Titans taking it? So. Uh, in the second round, at the 41st pick, the Titans will be taking Cody Mock from North Dakota State University, someone that you and I actually really liked at the Combine. And yeah. since then, he has uh, done very well, and he has shot up draft boards. His star continues to rise. I don't know how a single soul that knows anything about what they're talking about can dislike this pick. Cody Mock is like one of the most likable, like wherever he goes. I don't think any fan base can dislike this guy personality wise he's he seems like the coolest guy ever super super fun to talk to when we got to talk to him at the combine but then you know he's listed as a tackle there's some questions as to whether or not he's going to be a tackle in the nfl he's probably not going to be because of his size but he's the only guy i think in this offensive line grouping that has true five positional versatility and what are the titans looking for this year baby number one on the top of the chalkboard what have they slapped up on the wall ted lasso style instead of believe it is versatility and this guy is the most versatile lineman in the class i think that he would be a great addition and they'd probably give him a shot at tackle maybe in camp it wouldn't shock me but ultimately i would see him slotting into one of those guard positions and being a really effective player out of the gate let's move on to the third round here and last time in your first round mock you did have the titans also trading back in this third round to uh pick up some picks however this time we've taken a little bit of a different avenue here. And oh boy. We need picks, baby. Where are we getting the picks from? So the Tennessee Titans will be trading Ryan Tannehill to the Atlanta Falcons for picks 375 and 4110. Yes. I mean, this is this is Arthur Smith's brainchild, the 2019 titans frankenstein's monster being brought back from the dead this is the lightning bolt striking the laboratory finally bringing this monster to life and his vision is his creation coming to fruition this would be the move genuinely to make the falcons a bona fide nfc contender and i mean that seriously if you gave ryan Tannehill, arthur smith as his coordinator and as, as his head coach with those weapons down there kyle pitts drake london after this mock, uh, Bijan Robinson, hello, uh, Corderic Henry, as some of me and my friends have referred to him, Cordero Patterson. Um, they've got a lot of guys down there, and on defense, they've reloaded this offseason. So, like, this would work a lot for the Falcons. And if they saw the Titans looking to move off of Ryan Tannehill because they now have their guy of the future and they need some more draft capital to build around him, well, then it's time for some old friends and old flame to be reignited and to make a deal happen. I think the the terms of this contract that I have that I have decided on are very fair for both sides. Um, it was talked about earlier in the season, JT, when the Jets were still considering multiple quarterbacks in the free agency period in the, in the offseason to potentially trade for Ryan Tannehill was on that list. And the rumors, the discussion was, well, you're probably not getting a first for Ryan Tannehill, but they might give a second or a third or a second and a fourth. I have the Falcons giving a third and a fourth for Ryan Tannehill because in this position, they, you know, the Titans wouldn't necessarily be operating from a position of power. Anybody knows, Hey, you drafted CJ Stroud to not sit behind Ryan Tannehill. Like that's not what you did. You drafted him to be your quarterback of the future. Now, maybe ultimately you'd be, 
you would con content yourself to allow that to happen if you couldn't move Ryan Tannehill. But you're looking to move Ryan Tannehill. Luckily, Atlanta would not mind a Ryan Tannehill at all. I just refuse to believe that they would not mind having him. And so they give up their third and their fourth. JT, this is poetic. I, I, you know, I, I feel not to pat myself. I'm going to throw my arm out, pat myself on the back here. But in our first mock, you mentioned it a second ago. I had a trade for the Titans that had some history behind it. Rand Carthen going back to the well with his old 49ers buddies and moving back to get some more mid mid uh, draft capital from their giant well of compensatory picks in the end of the third round. Well, now I've got the Falcons giving the Titans back their own fourth round pick that they gave to the Falcons for Julio Jones. They should never have given the Falcons for Julio Jones. The Titans get back what was rightfully theirs, the 110th overall pick in this draft, the fourth round pick that the Falcons currently have that should belong to them. It comes right back to them in this trade. And with the Falcons third round pick, which they also get, the Titans go with a guy that we know the Titans are very closely linked to. We know that Titans fans and media alike are a fan of this guy, a fan of the idea of him becoming a Titan. And I'm sure they're a fan of him becoming a Titan in the third round because the value is pretty fantastic. In reality, I'm not sure he's going to be there at 75. But if he is, Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of the uh, University of Cincinnati, this guy could come in and I think round out a relatively decent wide receiver room now. You've got three guys um, at the top of your receiver board in Tyler Scott, in Kyle Phillips, and in uh, uh, Traylon Burks with NWI as your fourth option there. You've got a little bit of a, a group going here. It's a young group, but we've heard out of the Titans building some some whispers, some murmurings that like, hey, this this front office, this coaching staff, they're more content with the kids at the receiver position that the fans are. They're ready to rock and roll with the youth. And this would be them rocking and rolling with the youth. And I think that he's a talented young guy to bring into that rotation. And I like it a lot. Moving on to the fourth round here. And with that pick, the Titans get from the Falcons. That was rightfully theirs to begin with. They will be taking Luke Schoonmaker from the, the from University of Michigan, the tight end. Yeah, so I don't know if it's Schoonmaker or Schoonmaker. We were discussing this on the tight end pod that is going to come out soon. But I'm going to call him. We, we settled on Luke School Bus. But uh, Luke, <laughs> Luke, beep, beep. Beep, beep. Luke, Luke Schoonmaker is a guy that I think would make, make an awesome Titan. I'm pretty sure James even mentions that verbatim in our conversation that he would be a guy that would make a lot of sense for the Titans. He's got some versatility to him. He's got a, a, enough of a, of, a, of a top gear in terms of speed and quickness and agility where he can run away from linebackers. Is he going to be your guy that's running up the seam three or four or five or six times a game to try to catch balls against real cornerbacks or slot safeties? Eh, probably not. But can he run away from linebackers and be an intermediate threat in the passing game? Absolutely he can. Across the middle, this guy can win you some contested catches and can win after the catch as a, as a, a tackle breaker, as a, as a rumbler and a bumbler going down the field and making something happen. I like him a lot in that way. I think he's also a big enough and talented enough inline blocker to come in and fill that role that the Titans need, right? They've got their guy who is their stud receiving tight end. They've got their guy that is their stud inline blocking tight end. They need their hybrid. And I think Luke, Luke Schoonmaker would make the perfect hybrid, the tight end out of Michigan. Let's move on to the fifth round here for the Titans. And with their own fifth round pick, the Titans will be selecting another wide receiver, Andre Yosimus. Yosivas, yep, from Princeton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Andre Yosivas is a guy that I'm 
higher on than most. You look at like PFF. He's there, I think, like 273rd overall prospect. This is a guy that I think is better than people are giving him credit for because he, he plays at, you know, he plays at Princeton. He plays in the Ivy. Like he's not, he's not playing against top flight competition. He's not playing with top flight uh, NFL caliber players in, in his college. And yet the measurables are there. The production is there. Like I like him a lot. Six foot three and a one eighth inches, 205 pounds. He's got uh 30, 32 inch arms. It's funny. The only measurable of his that's, that's not great is his hand size. He's got itty be a little baby hands at eight and three fourths inches. But beyond that, a, a perfectly reasonable wingspan runs a four, four, three for a, for a six foot three, 205 pound guy. That is scooting. Love that. Um, there's a lot to like about this guy. His tape is just really hard to find. Like, not only is he not well known, you've not watched him a lot. He's tweeted out multiple times on his own Twitter this offseason, JT. Like, hey, here are links to my my some of my tapes since I know it's really hard to come by. Like, it's hard to it's hard to watch my tape and, and grind the film. I mean, on me. if you're if you're even watching our YouTube our YouTube video, like, look at the picture I had to find for him. That's like one of like four pictures. I was about of to him. say, but you had to go hunting for that one. I you? I looked up his name on like Google Images. Like, there are less than like four <laughs> pictures of him on Google because four people watched him play football in college, <laughs> but he's a good player. I mean, he's got an 86.3 receiving grade in 2022 per PFF, which is an elite grade. He's got an elite 2.71 yards per route run an elite 68.68.8% contested catch rate. Like this is a big bodied guy. Who's got burner speed at four, four, three. Is he a project? Yeah, I think he's a project, but like he's got elite long speed. And then this is, I'm reading this from Dame Brugler's the, the beast right now. Elite long speed that translates to the football field. Does a nice job using hesitation, double moves, blah, 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 blah. Named his senior captain. Impressive. Uh, finished in the top 10 in the FCS in receiving yards per game at 94.3 in 2022. Overall, he's got a long, he has the long speed and body control worth developing. The problem is that he's currently pretty limited in his knowledge and his polish and his route tree. He's more of a project. But at that size, with those measurables, Bring this guy in. Make this the second wide receiver the Titans bring in who can be that guy that maybe they use sparingly. Maybe they use kind of gadget-y in this first year. But he can develop in the next two, three, four years into a guy who may really be a true boundary threat with a big body and impressive contested catch uh, uh, capabilities. That's exactly what you want in a guy like this. The second fifth-round pick that the Titans have now after the C.J. Stroud trade is... Braden Daniels, oh, interior yeah. offensive lineman from Utah. They will be taking him in the fifth round with the 168th overall pick. A Stony Keeley special. Somebody check on Stony, make sure he's all right and doesn't need to change a pants. This is one that I like a lot. Braden Daniels is a guy out of Utah who I think is going to be a sneaky late add a day three ad for a team and maybe even get significant playing time this year. I would totally not be shocked if the Titans, for example, a team that really needed help on the offensive line were to bring him in and in camp, he won a starting job this year. If the Titans were to get with, get away from the draft with this hall, right? They, they bring in Cody mock and Braden Daniels as their two new linemen who they can plug in as you know, guys who compete for those interior jobs, potentially even an outside job with Cody mock. I think that suddenly you've got a group of not just five, but, kind of six or seven linemen with this Titans team who, yeah, none of, none of them have really proven themselves to be studs, but there's a ton of potential. There's a ton of versatility and you can at least rely on these five guys and their two, uh, the two top backups to be a competent 
young group that develops together and may turn may turn into something special down the road. You won't have to rely on the bums the Titans have been having to rely on to come in when somebody gets hurt. I think that this could make their offensive line unit suddenly very respectable. Not great, maybe not even good, but perfectly acceptable. In the sixth round here, the Titans will take Starling Thomas, the fifth cornerback out of UAB. Yeah, this is another one where the Titans, they they can't neglect defense entirely in this draft. Um, I think this is this is the this is the first defensive pick I have them making in this draft all the way in the sixth round. I said it was going to be a Titans fan fever dream draft, and this would probably be it. They need a little bit of help on the defensive back department, really at safety more than anything. But the safety class is just not that great. This is one that if he's sitting there at 186 in the sixth round, he's going to be a tempting one to add. He was a senior, so he's 23. Uh, he'll be 24 maybe by the very end of the season. Um, but he's one of the fastest cornerbacks in the entire draft class. He's six foot, 195 pounds, ran a, let's see here. I can't find it. Uh, JT, would you mind looking that up for me real quick? What, uh, Charlene Thomas, the fifth ran, uh, but he's one of, I know that he's one of the fastest guys in this class. As I have here, he allowed only 22 catches on 58 targets for just 257 yards this past fall. He played uh, just two. No, just kidding. He, yeah, no, just kidding. He played just two years at UAB, but both of those years he was impressive, uh, had a number of pick six interceptions, it looks like, um, and uh, it had impressive grades. And And they used him at corner most of the time, but they also lined him up a decent amount in the slot as a box safety. They sometimes even had him as a deep safety, apparently. Um, but this is a guy that I think is relatively versatile. He's got the traits that you're looking for. He's a, a relatively big bodied cornerback six foot 195 he's not he's not a shrimp um did you find that time jt yeah he ran a four three eight yeah four four three eight he's in the four threes so like this guy's got the speed to, to hang with him uh the best of them on the outside at this point in the sixth round jt we talk about it all the time you're just you're throwing darts uh, at lottery picks you're trying to you're you're trying to find traits you're trying to find one or two things you think you can develop you're looking for guys that you can get the upside out of and i think you could with a starling thomas the fifth with the final pick for the Titans in this 2023 NFL Mock Draft 2.0, the Titans in the seventh round will be taking Dante Stills, a defensive lineman out of West Virginia. Yep, I like Dante Stills a lot, and this feels like a Mike Vrabel pick to me. Um, they're once again reloading on the defensive side of the ball here with their seventh pick. Stills is a guy that I don't necessarily see having a full bona fide starter ceiling in the NFL. However, coming out of West Virginia, this guy was highly recruited coming out of high school. He was really successful in the uh, the uh, West Virginia's big or no Mount Mountain West. Big no, 12. Wait, Big 12 Mountain West. What? They're in the mountains, <laughs> not in the West. The Big 12. He was, I think, all all uh, first team Big 12 the past two seasons had an 85.7 PFF grade in this past season had five sacks and four hits the season before he had eight sacks and seven hits on uh, 14 hurries he had 21 hurries this year he's got a couple batted balls this is a guy that could be a fantastic rotational piece for a defensive line and the Titans could use somebody like that so I think that he'd be a nice add in the seventh round to Dante Stills out of West Virginia. And that's going to wrap it up for my mock draft, right? Yes. So let's run down real quick down. here. Let's recap the Titans mock draft, full seven round draft. So in the first yep. round, the Titans will be trading up to the first 
the third overall pick in the first round with the Arizona Cardinals trading their 11th overall pick, a third round pick, and a 2024 first and third round pick for the third pick and a fifth round pick to take C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. In the second round, they will be taking Cody Mock, an offensive lineman out of North Dakota State. In the third round, the Titans will be trading Ryan Tannehill to the Atlanta Falcons for the 75th overall pick and the 110th overall pick. And with that 75th pick, we'll be taking Tyler Scott, a wide receiver out of University of Cincinnati. In the fourth round, with that pick from the Falcons, the Titans will be selecting Luke Schoolbus, tight end out of the <laughs> University of Michigan. Or in the fifth, Yeah, either one. Yeah. In, in the fifth round at 147, the Titans will be taking another wide receiver, Andre Yosevas from Princeton. In the fifth round as well at 168, the Titans will be taking Braden Daniels, an interior offensive lineman from Utah. In the sixth round at 186, the Titans will be taking Starling Thomas the fifth, a cornerback out of UAB. And the final pick at 228, the Titans will be selecting Dante Stills, a defensive lineman from West Virginia. Love it. Thank you, JT. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, we went longer today, but frankly, it's not because um, of not trying to go short. It's just we were having too much fun. And I think that this is going to be an enjoyable episode for everybody. I know, JT, you and I had a lot of fun recording this one. And I hope that you all enjoyed this mock draft that was tailored just to the Titans fans that I know and love and that, that listen to this podcast. So we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to tune in the rest of this week, into the weekend, into next week, into the draft, because we've got big, big plans for every single day of the next 10 days before we get to that first night next Thursday. And we get to do our first round live stream, which we will have marketing for um, plans for announcements for probably this week. I'd say probably by the end of this week, we'll have some announcements for that. Let you guys know exactly what's going on, who's going to be where, when, and why, and what you need to be tuning in for. But definitely be prepared to tune in to this show live stream, chat with us. We're going to talk you guys through, talk with you guys through the entire draft, at least the first two nights, maybe even the third, we will see. First confirmed guest so far is Stony Keeley joining us for the best day of the draft for my money, day two, as well as day three, if we do end up adding that third day. And uh, on day one, we've got potentially some other guests joining us, but we'll be live nonetheless, breaking it all down. Uh, make sure to tune into our positional episodes later this week with special guests such as Jack, Jack, such as uh, Jack Foster and I said it again, James Foster and uh, Austin Gale of The Ringer. Those guys are awesome. Excited to get into the tight ends and the receivers with them. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your week listening to this show until tomorrow when we will be probably releasing our tight end episode with James Foster. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at Broadway Sports Media. I'm joined by producer JT. We wish you the best until Tuesday. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you then.